Hello and welcome to Deep Dive. I'm Oscar Boyd. Today I have two guests joining me, Takuro Kajiwara and Hinako Arao. Takuro is 18 and is one of the leaders of Fridays for Future Tokyo, the movement founded by Swedish climate activist Greta Thunberg. And Hinako is one of the main nationwide field organizers at 350.org Japan. Together, they are two of the most prominent figures in the country's climate activism scene. Ahead of the next round of global climate strikes planned for this Friday, November 29th, I wanted to talk to Takuro and Hinako about Tokyo's small but gradually growing climate movement, which, as I learned from the conversation you're about to hear, is not quite as disheartening as I first thought. What I hear in this conversation is two people at the start of their paths. One who seems to be struggling a little with his new role as the face of Japan's youth climate movement, and the other who seems more ready to go beyond the polite confines of modern Japanese protest. That said, I found both of them incredibly inspiring to talk to, and I hope you enjoy listening to their stories as much as I did. So without further ado, here's Takuro and Hinako. I want to talk about the march that took place on September 20th. Mm -hmm. And that was, I think, globally, one of the biggest organized marches ever on any issue. Mm. And so some stats for you, there's 185 countries involved, about 7.6 million Mm. people were involved in events over the course of a week. And when you look at countries like Italy, I think there was a million and a half Mm. people out on the streets. If you look at Germany, 1.4 million, 800,000 people in Canada, 500,000 people in the US, which actually I was a bit shocked at how low (laughs) the US was. But then you bring it to Japan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Japan, there were 5,000 people across the country Mm -hmm. um, involved in the marches that day, Um, about 2,800 of which I believe were in Tokyo. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Takaro, how do those numbers make you feel? So, as our estimated number at that time, I thought that we will reach about a thousand because it's in Japan, you know. And yeah, so we were actually we had this kind of positive um, feelings when we just arrived at the Shibuya. We just saw a bunch of people, and you know, it was amazing in a way that three thousand about about three thousand people turned out. And you know, after the strike itself, I was like. I thought I did something big, you know. Uh, maybe I made even I'm even I thought I made some history or something. Mm-hmm. But you know, <laughs> then I was just like watching through all the social media. I mean, like Instagram, Twitter, whatever. And I just saw the picture of like Berlin and U.S. and you know all around Europe. And I was like, what? You know. <laughs> so I think at, we did a not a bad job for mm-hmm. you know making the strike as big as possible in Japan, which is pretty tough. But yeah, compared to all the big numbers, it's, you know, I was kind of depressed even because I thought we really did a good job, but it turned out it wasn't the best, you know. So so it's quite bittersweet then. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, quite optimistic mm-hmm. at the number exceeded expectations. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, so I, I turned up at those um, strikes to see what's Thank going you. on. <laughs> I was part of the uh, Japan Times reporting yeah, yeah. team on that. Yeah. Um, and the interesting thing about that was, you know, you saw these images from around the world. I had a friend actually mm-hmm. in Melbourne who was, texting me like live texting me here oh. uh, Sydney as well yeah exactly yeah. Sydney was crazy yeah it was awesome yeah. and I had a friend in London who was also sending stuff mm. through and you just had throngs of people but to illustrate the scale of the Tokyo one at least mm. it was one lane of the road yeah right with still traffic going past mm. and 
you look around the rest of the world, entire parks were flooded with people. Mm. You know, the entire sections of cities were closed yeah. down for these protests. So I did find it very interesting. Hinako, mm. how did you feel about those um, well, protests? In Japan, um, if you look at positively, small mobilization can get like good attention. So for the first time, we got like um, entire front page of Asahi newspaper covering this topic, for example. It really could get lots of media exposures with that number because it doesn't happen usually. You know, like five, five, um, 5,000 people marching in the United States wouldn't get any attention. But in Japan, mm. we could. And because of the work that I do with the global climate strike in Japan, I got to know, like, each March, like, Tokyo, you are talking about Tokyo, but, like, it was, like, over 20, like, prefectures, like, covered in, um, like, people were organizing. And I got to know organizers and what happens. And each city has, like, different dramas that 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 is, like, so moving. Like, you have no idea like how much people have to go through, mm -hmm. uh, what kind of courage you need to have to organize or to be on the street. It's totally different for like our culture than like a Western culture that I see. So in a way, the number like you can't easily compare with like Europe or United States. But why do you think that is? Because there have been examples in the past of Japan having very widespread protests. I think, you know, the biggest within living memory were in the 60s with the students protests but then yeah. much more recently you had seals in 2015 mm -hmm. um and they managed to mobilize maybe 30,000 estimates got to 120,000 depending on what you read and that was protesting against the ability to mobilize the self-defense forces overseas so there, there has been history of protest so why do you think it's so hard to get people involved with this kind of climate activism so first thing is that I guess people don't think climate crisis as their own thing, which is pretty much um, can be said about in all of the social um, issues in Japan, um, including the climate change as well. But I think things have been changing because when you look at the typhoons at Chiba, or Typhoon Hajibus, mm -hmm. and you know all the typhoons and all the disasters that the nature made, which is actually humane made, but you know just it it is. Um, definitely affecting our lives and I think Japanese people have begun to kind of realize that hey this is something strange you know if you talk about typhoon there was nothing like this before so and yeah the second thing is that you talk about seals and so I think the reason why people don't join in all these kind of strikes including the authorities is simply because people don't have a really good image towards the act of strike or demonstrations and I think it's because simply that they can be seen as aggressive. So I think the reason why SEALs got really know, knocked out in a way is simply because they, their issue was politics. And in Japan, it's really, we are a democratic country, but when you, talk, when you just criticize the current government, like Abe or something, people just say you as like a left-sided guy and just like, you know, just like criticize all the time. So, but all these climate issues is related with government all the climate policy and the coal power plan and everything like that. So we really do need to kind of get involved in politics. But I think we are really scared. I'm, I'm really scared that maybe we'll just be the same as the SEALs and people will just take Fridays as like a negative thing and just say that I'm really extremist. 
So how do you counter that message? How do you bring people on board? Yeah, so that's the hard stuff. So that's what we're working on right now, actually. Um, all around the world, Fridays for Future is doing a climate strike. But in Japan, we call it Kiko Machi, which mm-hmm. basically we could have just called it as um, Kiko Strike, which means climate strike. But when you say strike or demonstration demo in Japan, it's basically, you know, people just take it as a really aggressive thing. So that's the reason why we changed the name to Kiko Machi and mm-hmm. trying to make it like, you know. So climate march. Yeah, 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 so climate march, yeah. And so try to make it more friendly and casual in a way. But yeah, seeing all the media coverages, I think it's not really working enough because all the pictures that get covered is basically myself shouting. And, <laughs> you know, everybody, every young generation just raising their voices up. And yeah, I mean, that's one perspective. But actually, I personally don't like demonstrations or strike or anything. And I don't love doing this job, actually. But it's pretty much because we have to do it. And I mean, I have uh, voting rights because I'm 18, but there's much more younger generations that it's like, it's pretty much, this is the only thing that they can do as young generations because they can't vote. They can't, they don't have enough money to do anything. So yeah, through this podcast, I just want, I just want all the people to understand that we are not doing this because we love it. We love the demo, but it's simply because we have to do it and we don't want to offend anyone, but I think we have to make some points as a future generation. And Hinako, you said that Asahi Shimbun gave the entire front page to um, the climate strikes. Do you feel like the response to them has been positive largely, negative largely? How do you, how do you feel like um, they've been received? Uh, it wasn't about positive or negative, but for people to know that climate change, climate crisis, like what's going on, that's the focus. And it's not about people having positive feeling toward this movement or not, because people are not aware that movement is happening, like the majority of the people. And I want to go back to your point of comparing to other movements. Um, you compared um, this movement with SEALs and also like anti-nuclear power plants. That movement was like maybe like way over 10,000 people they co- collected. Mm-hmm. And I think there is the background, like there is some educational things because we are taught the importance of like, you know, peace and um, the, how atomic bomb affected our nation and how wrong that is and our peace constitution is important we we get that kind of education so even though like japanese people are not like you know culturally comfortable with demonstrations there are certain like tradition of fighting for peace Mm -hmm. and for climate change as takuro said what's difficult is we need to involve people who are not usually political because we need more numbers and also we need more people to be aware of it. And that's why we try to localize it, like try to make it more friendly. So you keep mentioning um, awareness. Do you think that's a major issue then, that people just simply aren't aware of climate change within Japan? Yes. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Mm. And... um, yeah. And, and why is that? Why? Because media it's a, coverage is just not enough. Yes. I don't know how many times like I saw the articles of um, Japan Times, but also The Guardian. Um, 
you know, like really important information and like talking about like Osaka city, Osaka castle going underwater or Japan was like Tokyo was like um, listed one of the three cities in the world that most vulnerable to flooding for the next 10 years, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's Tokyo, it's Osaka, it's our city. And like, it's like, why no media is covering it? Why we are not like non-English speakers in Japan, which is the majority of this country. Like, why like these people are not getting this such important information? And if media covered every day about what's going on on the front page of newspapers, like it, everything will change, I think. Because we are not stupid. If we have the information, Japanese people would know that we are in crisis and we have to do something. You know, like it's like a very basic, like as Greta always says, like we are not trying to negotiate any opinion or, or anything. We are just like, you know, lucky enough to have access to this scientific data and we are saying, wow, that's so bad, you know? So I think like that's the information that we need to get. I'm interested then if you say there's not this cultural aspect of protesting, of demonstrating, how you two both came to end up as you know, significant activists in this Japan movement. I I mean, I personally think that the students or my generation who is doing all the Fridays movement and all the climate crisis movement um, overseas, aside from Japan, is really just cool, you know? Yeah, just like seeing them just go and go out on the street and just doing the strike and everything. I, I just personally take it as really a cool stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think that's my simple answer to that. I kind of take it as the reason why I'm striking as a one tool for negotiating, expressing the emotion of young generations that want to negotiate because we don't have the rights to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think the big problem of Fridays for Future and all the climate movement is that going on the strike has become something as a purpose and as a goal. And I think that's pretty dangerous because I think that's just like a gathering or party, which doesn't have any meaning. The reason why we're going on the strike at 29th this month, which will be the next global climate strike in Tokyo, is that we want Tokyo government to declare the climate emergency declaration, which we um, submitted in the September, back in September. And yeah, I think we need some purpose of doing the climate strike, just like doing it and... So more than just gathering for the sake yeah, of yeah, gathering? Yeah, yeah, I think... Well, but do you not do you not think that just having those people out on the street mm-hmm. and under the label yeah, of yeah. a climate strike mm. is quite effective? No, that's effective actually. Yeah, that's really effective. But I think not. I would say if there's like five members of Fridays for Future Tokyo, I think all of all of the five members doesn't have to kind of do the strike. But I would say one people can just focus on the media, and the other one can just focus on how to kind of you know as a strategy to f- make the Fridays bigger and as a more effective thing with purpose. Both of you speak fantastic English no. um, and you're Japanese natives as well. Do you think the fact you can speak English has opened you up to like the global discussion in a way that other Japanese people who can't speak English 
aren't exposed to. Definitely. Definitely. Mm. I think, um, as I said, like access to the information, like so much like good information is available in English, which we both have access to and that it's not accessible for many people. But also culturally, like uh, if you... Being able to speak English is like a proof of like you were, you got to um, be in touch with different culture and often Western culture. And that comes with like um, being encouraged to think independently or critically, which is not a huge part of our culture or education. And I think when the government is doing something great, no problem, <laughs> but when the government is not doing their job, it's important to think independently and critically apart from what your you know friends and family are thinking. And I think like that's a big part of it as well. So how 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 do you go about engaging those people who aren't aware of this the action you guys are taking? How how do you spread that message? I think like with my work with 350, we try to be the first um, gate that people can come through to this movement. So uh, we set the hurdles really low. They don't have to know much about climate change. We just welcome them and try to get connected and have great time together as the first step. And what I notice is people feel comfortable in a space that where people are like being themselves and expressing and I think like trying to think independently or trying to think critically is being asked questions of like what do you think in a situation where that it's safe to answer what you really think and I try to create that kind of space as often as possible because even though we are not encouraged everybody can think you know like it's it's not like culturally we don't think it's not like that I think like we just like I myself grew up in Japan and I I almost never asked like it got asked as a girl like what do you think about this or think about that I was just taught to learn things I went to an event back in October, which was uh, Al Gore's climate reality oh, yeah, project. Oh yeah, yeah, me too. Okay, so <laughs> all of the I same didn't boat. see you. Um, I yeah, I, I mean, I was sitting at the back and on the press table and looking mm. around the room. And I think the day I was there, there was maybe eight hundred people mm. in the yeah. room. And you know, you've got quite like a respectable chunk of Japanese society. Everyone was there from work in their suits. Um, people from a lot of big companies, a lot of you know, famous people were up on stage. You had the governor of Tokyo, right. Yuriko Koike. Mm-hmm. But how do you go about taking those people in that room who are clearly, they clearly have an interest in climate change. How do you go about taking them and bringing them into the movement that you guys have? So I think basically, I would say about half of the people is actually involved in all the climate movement, even though it is not about going on strikes or anything like that, Japanese people that who came to Al Gore's um, climate um, project, climate oh reality, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think they have really high awareness and that's pretty much the reason why they're brought um, to the Al Gore's. 
Yeah, they're doing great job actually. I mean, I've talked with a bunch of other students, and they're doing their own project. And I talked with uh, investors, and I mean, they're not doing enough, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I talked with some people from the company. I talked with you know all the famous people. Yeah, they do have some awareness, and they are doing what they can at least independently or as a group. And I really do appreciate that, and I just hope that they will continue their works. And you know, just like I'm telling them to come to the strike is, I think it's kind of like an ego. Um, But do you not think it would be important to have those kinds of people at your strikes? Definitely. Um, As much as, as much as I think the activism you're doing is fantastic. I wonder if because you're young and it's mostly mm-hmm. students and university students, mm-hmm. it's a, a movement that's much easier to ignore. Mm-hmm. So, you know, bring, what do you mean? Like, wh- who's like easy to ignore them? Well, I'm I'm saying that I don't think they necessarily can be ignored, but that is one argument people could put forward: is mm-hmm. that because they're young and they're inexperienced, they don't know what they're talking about. You know, the classic argument you hear, which is a horrible argument, I think, is that like, why, aren't, why aren't you in school? Yeah, yeah. You know. You should be in school learning. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the, but, like, the, the but, but I think, you know, the, the broader a coalition you can form, the the more powerful it becomes. So I just find it interesting that you're, you're saying you're not trying to push too hard to make mm. them come to the mm. strikes. I mean, you know, that's only my individual point. It's like my personal point of view. So I don't know if like all the members of Fridays are like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think yeah, I actually like kind of buy the criticism that we have to go to school because we do. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I need some grades, you know. We do want to go back to school. Greta wants to go back to school. But often, in often cases, people who criticize our movement is doing nothing. And I mean, if like people like Al Gore or maybe some people who is actually doing um, environmental work criticize us, then I think it does really make a point. You know, we have to buy that point. We have to kind of um, change what we're doing. But... Those people who criticize us doing nothing for the environment, nothing for climate crisis, and they're just saying that we're liars and we have to go back to school and just all the you know crazy stuff. It's not really trustworthy, and we don't get hurt because we don't care. <laughs> it's basically um, there's no logic in it, and it's only about emotions. I don't see that people are ignoring their movement because among adults who are in this movement, we really support. As much as I know, like all the NGOs and partners and actually lots of corporations who are who became partners of a global climate strike in Japan, like we really fully behind them and we are grateful. In so many ways, they are better leaders. And And what do you mean by that? So any civil movement who's, uh, that have been successful, like when the people who are most affected by it and have least say in it, when these people stand up, they are the most powerful in the civil rights movement in the United States. Like, you know, uh, African-Americans, um, when they stood up, that was the more, most powerful instead of white people standing up for their rights. And in this case, in so many ways, I could have teenagers, years that I could just think about my life and just think about my future. And it's not true to them. They're, they have to do something about their survival and their future. So in that way, and so many ways, young people are smart. Like they know how to communicate and connect quickly. 
through SNS, but also they know how to be friends and how to have fun. And when it's not fun, it's hard for them. So therefore, they know the importance of making things fun. All these things that kind of like adults somehow, somehow forget. But it's crucial for the movement to be alive. So it's not just like they are getting attention. I think they are actually, in many ways, good leaders of this movement. Now, Yuriko Koike, governor of Tokyo, at that Al Gore event we all went to, said yes. something along the lines in English of climate change is no longer a subject of debate, it's part of reality. But one question I have is that natural disasters have been part of Japanese history for millennia. You know, you've always had typhoons, you've always had large scale events such as earthquakes. And I wonder, do you think people are somewhat immunized to the idea of climate change because? Um, Japan has always been affected by natural disasters. Yes and no. I think if the media connects the dots, like it clearly mentioned, because scientists are actually already saying that the scale and also frequency of natural disasters are getting bigger because of climate change. And Um, Japanese population have a hard time making connection with these two events. So when the um, media is not doing like connecting the dots, we have to like as like um, citizens and for people who are in this movement, I always encourage them to when you talk about like, you know, typhoon, like this is a chance for us to connect these dots. So, yeah. But can I say one thing about this? So I don't think this is permanently like how it goes, meaning that uh, we often talk about tipping point, uh, that irreversible damage that we really want to avoid. I think there is a tipping point in like this movement as well, where, you know, like when you're learning to speak English, for example, like your, your bucket, it's like, you know, you are filling your bucket. But then, like, you know, until the like, water flows over it, you, you don't see the difference, but you are doing it. And now I think like in a climate movement in Japan, we are doing that collective learning. We are learning together. We are trying to have this awareness go up and up and up a bit by bit. This is a hard bit because mm-hmm. you, you, don't, you don't clearly see quickly the change. But once the bucket is full, there, there are going to be enough people in Japan who know about this and understand the cause. And then things will move. I would like to move it slightly beyond the scope of Tokyo. Mm-hmm. I believe it was September um, that Iki Island, or the city of Iki on Iki Island in Nagasaki yeah. Prefecture, declared its own climate emergency. How significant do you two think that declaration of a climate emergency actually is in moving forward that discussion and filling up that uh, metaphorical bucket of climate learning? Um, so first of all, I think the Iki Sea was really brave to announce that because it's always hard to kind of lead all the movement, you know, just like raise your hands at the fir- first point in Japan. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, what they have done is brave enough, but actually there's no um, strong 
pressure or enforcement to kind of really put things into practice. So, I mean, to be honest, we are actually work, um, trying to make the Tokyo declared climate emergency, but I'm not really sure if it will work as the best solution. I, I think it's better to pass on Hinako. Maybe you're pretty much familiar with all the climate emergency stuff, maybe much, much more than me. Um, maybe the same amount, yeah. but yeah, I have the same opinion as Tokuro because it can be a part of greenwashing. You know, our city declared this, ta-da, and da-da-da. You know, like I think like um, it's pretty, um, I know that it's hard for cities to declare, for example, carbon neutral, but we all know that the only way to avoid a cat- catastrophic disaster for the city and for the world, it's try really try to hit like 1.5, like a Paris Agreement. So that's 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. Yes, and so any sector, like I think, like they need to how hard it is, like to see the next step for what it means to have uh, 45%. Um, Emission like a um, cut by 2030 and carbon neutral by 2050 and declaring climate emergency always need to come with that kind of attitude and commitment. So walking the walk as well as talking the talk. Yes. Yes. So when you say Fridays for Future has uh, petitioned the Tokyo Metropolitan Government to also declare a climate emergency, what ideally would you like to see come from that? There's just so much that they can do. You should run for a mayor. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Go for it. Um, but yeah, I would say just start off with simply environmental education in Tokyo, all the schools in Tokyo. I don't care if it's private or not, anything like that, but public or private. Just tell the kids, tell them that climate crisis is real and I think it's far more important than just educating about Olympic Games just teach them about climate crisis which is like a real thing and a real threat to us I think it's about um, how you how the Tokyo or Koike-san kind of really takes climate crisis as serious as much as they can and if you as Hinako says and you said just like don't just like to say it, if that's it, it doesn't make any sense. And I think Tokyo lacks an awareness that they are one of the biggest cities in the world. And when you look at like Paris, London, they are doing something that is sustainable and that is eco-friendly or anything that is leading the world. But when you look at Tokyo, they're not they're not doing enough. Like Tokyo is one of the cities declared carbon neutral by 2050. And at Climate Reality, Koike-san said that they are going to show the roadmap toward it. And I just want to make sure that she, the city is hitting the target of 45 reduction by 2030, which is as important as like 2050 carbon neutral. Like we can't talk about 30 years from now. We don't have that kind of time. We want to know in 10 years what the city would achieve. So the next big global climate protest will be this coming Friday, uh, November 29th. What do you both hope that that will achieve? Actually, being really honest with you and the listeners, 
our main purpose of this upcoming Friday strike is not to gather as much people as possible. And we're estimating, estimating about around a thousand maximum because we're going to do it at 12 o'clock in noon. And which means that we got a bunch of criticism with the high school students and university students saying that I really wanted to join the strike, the next strike, but I can't make it. And I mean, like, how dare you, right? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I mean, we knew about it. I mean, me being a student. But the thing is that on the same date, at 29th, at around 12 p.m., Tokyo government will discuss the it, whether to declare the climate emergency or not. And it's pretty much that we need to take, we need to show pressure to them that we really are aware that what you guys are discussing, because in often cases, Japan's politics, people don't really care. And that's pretty much the reason why they can do whatever they want. And we just want to show that we are, we do really care about this climate crisis, which really is an issue and threat to us. And yeah, so I just hope that Tokyo will make its best and the smartest choice. This is not a sprint. This is a marathon. Like we need to keep moving forward until things get better. And in that sense, um, it's important to measure the success based on the game, different things. And I think, for example, Friday for Futures, having much sharper demand to Tokyo City, that is brilliant. Like I'm really thrilled about it. I get to communicate with different organizers um, all over Japan and what they talk about, how they think about things, like it's really moving forward. As I said a little bit earlier that we are really learning together how to do this and I think like that's an important way to look at it as well. At the end of the day, do you think that doing a march is enough or do you think at some point there will be a need to take more disruptive action? I definitely don't think it is enough to stick with only the strike or demonstrations out in the street. But the biggest question here is that then what can we do, you know? As a student, as a young generation, we're on the street because that's the only thing we can do. And politicians don't care about us. People in the big companies don't even care about us. So, yeah, aside from the strike or demonstrations, the, yeah, I mean, what can we do really? And we are discussing this right now with my... Friday's crew and we haven't reached the answer yet but hopefully we can reach the answer soon and just try to think of an alternative way or even a better way than strike. Yeah I definitely want to hear about you guys like the discussion. So a couple of days ago like um, November 23rd I found out the Japanese government said they're not they're not going to change the NDC um, till 2030 and I got really frustrated. And what's the NDC? Intended nationally determined contributions. Basically, each nation declares that how much CO2 emission they are going to cut. That is the most important measurement of how each country will perform and show commitment to what to do about this climate crisis. And we have horrible reduction plan of CO2. And when I read that, the first thing I came to that came to my mind is knowing the urgency, like how quickly things need to change. I thought, okay, I probably maybe want to quit 350 because I don't want to, I can't do really radical action as an NGO worker to protect the name of like this organization. But I actually thought about maybe like more disruptive, no, I wouldn't say disruptive, but like just like um, more direct action or something 
you know, like I just thought about it, got so frustrated about that news. But I think um, that is an option in the future, definitely, for um, any of us. But I think strategy is also important. And when we are about to do it, I think it needs to be very thoughtful and connect to success for sure. Otherwise, the movement will be labeled as like, you know, radicalized, like, and less people would join. So it's the always hard balance. Well, thank you both very much for joining me in the studio today. Thank you. Thank you. That was Takuro Kajiwara of Fridays for Future Tokyo and Hinako Arao of 350.org Japan. My thanks to both of them for joining us today on Deep Dive. More information about the upcoming march and articles by the Japan Times on Japan's climate movement can be found in the episode notes. My thanks also to Rusei Takahashi for all his help putting this episode together. You can find more episodes just like this one on all major podcast platforms. And we're also now on SoundCloud if that's your preferred listening method. Thanks as always for listening, and until next time, Otsukare-sama. Otsukare-sama.